welcome ladies and gentlemen and gentlemen and other ladies and then the ladies that like the gentlemen that like the ladies that like the gentlemen hey y'all welcome back to another episode of meditations conversations and libations it's me mimi i have not talked to y'all since you know the last time um but anywho you guys we're here we have a guest in the building and um she is a busy bee i see her in a lot of stuff she's handling her business i even had the pleasure of working with her we're not gonna talk about that situation but uh <laughs> had the pleasure of working with her but you guys before we introduce the guest of the week i need you all to come and take this journey with me as i go into my mantra are y'all ready y'all ready you ready yes. okay <clears throat> here's my here's here's my mantra come on y'all hum dear drivers of chicago please use your turn signals when you're turning because how the hell else am i supposed to know that you're turning so if i accidentally hit your car it's your fault and it's not my fault and i don't feel like going through all these insurance claims because you don't know how to use your turn signal where'd you go to driving school thank you so much please use them hmm. I feel a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I only feel, I just want every driver in the world, especially Chicago drivers, to please use your turn signals. That is all that I'm asking you. Because I can't read your mind. I don't know where you're going. I just want to not hit your car. Or you or the person that's trying to cross the street. But okay, it's another subject. You guys, we have a guest in the building. Reveal yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guest, tell the people your name and a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, hi, guys. My name is Anita Nicole Brown. Um, I am an aspiring actress model, a T1D ambassador. Ballroom dance instructor, combat fighter, yeah, a little Ooh. bit of everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just learned something. No, I did not know you <laughs> taught ballroom. <laughs> That's so funny because I've been wanting to learn to dance ballroom, like specific things. No, I, I know. Um, the dance company I'm with, it's called Dancing with Class. Um, they're part of the May I Have This Dance dance company. You guys may have heard of it. But uh, May I Have This Dance teaches adults. Dancing with class teaches kids. So I teach ballroom dance to the Chicago public and private schools. You learn something new <laughs> all of the time. Okay. All right. Well, got myself a dance instructor. I just want to <laughs> learn how to do the salsa y merengue. Oh, and yeah. Those are two of the dances we teach our kids, too. What else do I want? I think those are my main ones. Because I just want to dance really fast. And then I want to be turned really fast, like in a circle. I just... That's you got your center of gravity, though, right? No. Oh, so, yeah, we going to work <clears throat> on that. Right. Okay. <laughs> you have to start me from step zero. Okay? Because I am slow. Um, little special. All right, you guys, so we're here with uh, the actress, uh, Anita Nicole Brown. Um, 
can you just name some of your works? Like, can you just go down your IMDb page? (laughs) 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 Just name some titles because when I tell you, you've been in everything. Just give (laughs) give us some things, some of the things. Uh, Okay, so um, most recently, uh, I say the short film Loyalty. Um, And I say that because we just premiered at the Black Harvest Film Festival this year. Um, After that, I would say um, Pieces of David. Mm -hmm. uh, That was at the Black Harvest Film Festival last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still love my character. I don't care if people were scared of me after seeing that movie. (laughs) But I love my character. Shout out to Lawrence (laughs) Lee Wallace, my long-lost cousin. We're cousins. Um, and, uh, let's see, um, there was the film Crisis Function. Uh, we're still oh. working on Crisis Function Awakening. Okay. okay. So, yeah, Crisis Function, it holds, Crisis Function and Crisis Function Awakening, they're like my passion projects. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time where you have a film that showcases a type 1 diabetic that's not dying, you know. Right. Um, she's, she's, uh, like, what is it, um... She's used by a special agency to basically beat people up and kick, I don't know if I can say ass, but kick some ass. We're saying like ass that. today. Okay, yes. Hey. So, yep, she's, yeah, so you you don't usually see a lot of films that involve type 1 diabetes where they're strong, they're right. powerful, they're doing doing what they're supposed to do. And Crisis Function and Crisis Function Awakening, they're films that, do just that and so those are my passion projects i yeah totally totally for them so you're being modest because i would if i was you i'd just be like here all day like i've been in this and then that oh and then this and then uh ah and then that one film oh okay i was just keeping going it's down the list. it's a lot though like i know you're supposed I'm, to do this to shade okay, people okay so okay i'm still i just finished a short film called hades which was a lot of fun um i I got cast in, let's see, uh, I'm in a series now. It's called Triad. We're still working on that. Still got to finish casting for the whole thing. Okay. Um, I've been in, let's see, Scar Lake is still filming. We're almost done with that. I've been in, uh, I'm working on the gag date. We're still filming that. Oh, uh, yeah. Gag yep. Date. Yes, the gag date. We're still fin- finishing that. We got a couple of fundraisers that we're trying to get off the ground so okay. that way we can finish financing for that film. Uh, let's see. I did Little Things. Little Things by the Nuno Twins. Uh, that one, where was that? I can't remember where that premiered, but that was a film dealing with uh, depression mm-hmm. and things like that and how you know a lot of people felt like usually it's the big things that cause people to want to commit suicide, but it's mm-hmm. really not. It's like a multitude of little things that people don't even consider that can cause someone to question whether or not they still want to live their lives. So Little Things was a really fun film to be involved with just because of the message. And I liked the story, you know. It was about this woman on a journey. She wanted to kill herself, but the little things in everyday life that she ran into of everyone in her journey that made her realize maybe life is worth, you know, maybe it's worth a second chance to reconsider and try and enjoy this life. So Little Things was a film that I was 100% so excited to be a part of just because of the message around it. So 
Do y'all see how she's like running down a list of things <laughs> for all of you who have nothing? <laughs> oh my God. You have nothing. Take note from Anita. <laughs> Like and she wasn't even finished. That was just like some of the things. Yeah, it's I feel like, so. is that just the stuff from this year alone? This year and last year. See? Honestly. See. <laughs> See. This year and last year. You have nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right, you guys. We're gonna move on to the topic of the week. Uh and this week I wanted to well, the topic of the week, I wanted to talk about humble beginnings with you because I'm always interested in like actors and actresses stories um, of what they were doing before you got into it or what made you get into it. So my first question being, um, what were you doing? What jobs were you doing before you really got into acting? Ooh, um I was in, initially when I first graduated college, mm-hmm. I was in uh, uh, security. I worked for Titan Security for a real estate company, and mm-hmm. then I transitioned over into real estate, just like the reception, getting everything online, photos, all of that right. stuff, scheduling, viewings, things like that, working with the agents to get everything that they needed. So I was in real estate for a little bit. Um and that was pretty much what I was doing prior to deciding, oh, I'm going to go and be broke and be an actor. <laughs> so <laughs> the life. The exactly. life of. Right. Um, I, I did end up, like, I, uh, my master's is in marketing. And I was lucky enough to be able to work for Black Enterprise Magazine, uh, the sh- uh, headquarters here in Chicago. So I got lucky to be able to do all of that. But then, you know, I decided yeah i'm i'm a i'm gonna save some money and hopefully you know be an actor yeah all right <laughs> that's interesting i'm like i have a master's in marketing also yep don't do anything with it <clears throat> no not true no i'm talking about myself no not true even from social media to you know publications and stuff like that you're still marketing yourself Everything tis you true do is marketing. Tis yes. Okay, I'll so take you it back do then. use it. All right, I use my degree. Yes, you do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, excuse me, <laughs> my bad. Um, okay, so out of all of the jobs that you had before, you just decided to focus on acting. Was there one in particular that you actually liked? Um, <laughs> we get to think about it. <laughs> You know what? I would say, and it's only because of who my boss was. Um, one of my favorite positions, it was with Stan Schiller, and it was at TRA. It was tenant risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did was they analyzed the financial risk of companies looking to rent spaces in uh, industrial and like commercial real estate properties. Hmm. So, yeah, we were a financial risk uh, advisement company, and it was... It was fun, you know, because it was not just like, man, these companies, like when, you know, even this, like this building right here, what it costs to rent the space and things like that, just to have your place here. And what some companies like, they'll remodel an entire floor and things like that. So a company can move in and 
some of like they wanted to make sure if they're spending a million dollars to renovate that floor for this business, mm-hmm. this business is worthy of it. So it was interesting being on that end of a of the real estate industry instead mm-hmm. of just renting and leasing and things like that. You know, it was financially how much companies, buildings are putting into designing a space and things like that for a business to come and lease and how much they put up front and what they hope to make back and every yeah that was that was interesting to learn that sounds interesting to learn that yeah for me I think I would be interested in that aspect that entire aspect of it just to see how it works yep and definitely like the returns especially if the businesses fail (laughs) and you have your company invested a million dollars into a company that fails it's like oh how are you gonna pay us back a million was like the small end (sighs) that was the small end right because i mean we dealt with the companies that were in downtown chicago so you know all the properties in downtown chicago are not cheap at all right and you you've been to job interviews and stuff like that you see these be- beautiful mm-hmm. elaborate office spaces and stuff a lot of the times the owners of that building had to create that office space they had to design it and they had to create it for that particular business and so they wanted to make sure uh what what these people worth like what 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 their business investments look like how how financially stable are they if right. they were to default is there any the president the vp or anything could they put up the remainder like we were responsible for analyzing that financial risk that the companies were taking and letting this company lease the space so it was interesting man yeah it was interesting. yeah it was interesting and i think that was one of my favorite companies to be a part of cuz i never thought about it in all my years of real estate, we were just renting and leasing and stuff. And then I finally got to work with them. And that's when I was like, oh, my God, you guys are doing a lot. Right. So, you know, like when you're renting a space and your landlord asks for a security deposit and stuff. Yeah. All that made total sense to me now. Right. After being involved in that, in that world. Security deposit, oh, three, 700, yeah, that's fine, that's fine, that's okay, I'm cool with that. <laughs> like, you know, after dealing with the high end of what downtown, oh, yeah, like, yeah, I, I had a whole new respect for everything after that. See, that's when you know that you really enjoyed something or you were interested in it, when you can take something back from it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I really had a job that I really <laughs> liked. I mean... Let me think. <laughs> think about this. I think only I used to teach um, drama and poetry. Oh, that wow. was the only job I really, truly, truly liked. I loved it because I got to work with the kids. Well, they were high schoolers. I enjoyed working with them, and then I enjoyed the job because it didn't feel like work. Right. So I'm like, and then it's something that I already love to do. That was the only thing. I mean, I've worked in corporate. Corporate sucks. <laughs> working, at, I've worked in non for profit or non profit. Currently working. Oh, oh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a separate subject, but I think that was the only job. I've had a few different jobs too. See, I liked the corporate. Like, yeah, it's a no but, for me. <laughs> but see, the reason why is because when I got into acting. 
if you real like if you look like if you have a degree as an actor or a filmmaker or whatever and things like that, the one thing that I feel they fail is the business aspect of the industry. That's very true. So working in corporate, and I worked for law firms, real estate things like that. I got firsthand experience of what that business world is like, Mm -hmm. like hardcore contracts, negotiations, things like that. I got to experience that just by being in the corporate world. So when I did decide to be crazy and go into acting, I had firsthand knowledge of what the business aspect is looking for. It doesn't matter how great of an actress I am. I need to be able to understand my contracts. I need to be able to negotiate Mm -hmm. on behalf of me. I need to be able to understand all these deal terms and things like that that are being put in front of me. And because I got to work in corporate, Mm -hmm. I got to bring that into the acting world. So that's why I can appreciate corporate because they they don't play. Well, see, that's a you have a different experience, but that's a needed, um, necessary experience, especially if you're in the, the entertainment business. And so yeah. you know, no, I'm going to read this contract in full before I sign anything because mm-hmm. you're not going to get over on me. I wish like more people in the entertainment business were aware of that because I feel like a lot of people, especially like new coming yep. actors, they just sign away. And it's like, oh, you want me to be in your movie? And then they just sign on the dotted mm-hmm. line. It's like, oh, but did you know you just signed and and you signed a contract that said you're never getting paid any amount of money, no right. matter and how much you, money they make. And now you got, you know, you're stuck with it. Yeah, because you signed a contract without reading. Yep. So, I mean, that's interesting. I didn't think about it from that perspective, but okay, I'll give you that for corporate. <laughs> One time that, for corporate. That's the one thing. That's the one thing I'll say corporate got. The I'll one, give them that. Okay. That's fine because that's all I'm giving them. <laughs> the corporate. Um, okay. So if you were not acting, what would you be doing? What do you think you would be doing? Actually, probably what I'm doing now. So um, I I babysit, I nanny, and I also teach ballroom dance. Okay. So, so I would probably be doing that right now. as I, Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I think about this for myself. I think I just I just um really came up with this, but I don't know why it took me so long to realize this. I think if I wasn't acting or in entertainment period cuz I do 50,000 things, I think I would just be a writer. That's good though. I love to write. So, uh, shameless plug, you guys, go on Amazon and buy my book, My Life in Shambles. <laughs> shameless plug, <laughs> My Life in Shambles on Amazon right now. Oh, nice. Go and buy my book. I would be a writer because I am a writer. How about that? Boom. Okay. Um, okay. So, you would be basically doing the things that you do now because you enjoy it. Yes. It doesn't feel like work. No. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with dance. Like, dance has... It has a special place in my heart. Like I told my husband, dancing trumps him, and he's okay with it. <laughs> he, All right. <laughs> he, he's totally okay with it. But it's because, like, so when I was diagnosed as a type 1 diabetic, I also got diagnosed with diabetic nerve damage in my legs and feet. I lost mm. the ability to walk due to that. So in my, what is it, uh, with college, like the second semester of my freshman year, I wanted to take swing dancing and I was nervous because here I am just learning how to walk again and I'm thinking about taking a swing dance class. Like, was I crazy? What the heck was I thinking? And for, I know 
swing dancing did not enable me to be able to walk again. But in my mind, it yeah. did. And it gave me that. It gave me the strength back in my legs. I will swing dance until I can't walk no more. It like swing dancing is my first love. And because of that, like it it taught me there's nothing I can't overcome if I want to. So ballroom dance and being able to teach it to kids and teach them the understanding of dance, where it came from, the beauty of it, and how learning dance will make you able to do almost anything you could want to do. That's that's what dancing taught me, and that's what I get to teach kids, and that's what I love to do. So, At what, what moment in your life did you uh, find out that you were a type 1 diabetic? Uh, I was 17 years old. It was November 12th, 1998. All right. Remember. Oh, yeah. You don't forget. You do Moments not like forget that. that day. It Never. And main, mainly because November 12th was my dad's birthday. Mm. So not only that, I was diagnosed on my dad's birthday. Yay. I know how to screw up everything. Don't no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure that was a birthday phone call my dad was not expecting. Hey, uh, your daughter's in the emergency room. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll remember that day forever. So what's been some of, I don't want to say like, well, what's been the most challenging thing? Because you do a little bit of everything. So you're an actress. You are a babysitter. You're a dancer. You are, what did I just learn? What, did you, what else did you combat say? Combat fighter. A combat fighter and you bowl. Yep. And like <laughs> 50,000 other things. Um, so what's been like the most challenging thing? I'll say like in acting because sometimes you have to be on set all day. So what's the most challenging thing with trying to um, maintain being an actress or like go with the rules and regulations but also managing your diabetes I would say the only real hard part is getting the role like I understand getting the role is hard for everyone but I've been turned down because like well you guys can't see it but like this is my insulin pump mm -hmm. Um, this insulin pump is basically my pancreas. Like your right. pancreas produces insulin, what your glucose levels go up, your pancreas automatically produces insulin, brings your levels back down. Mine no longer does that. So this has become my pancreas. So it's constantly delivering insulin to me every hour on the hour for a 72 hour period. Then I have to change it out and put a new one on. I've had productions tell me they don't see how I can be the character that they're casting for and wear an insulin pump. So for me, the hardest part is getting them to look past the insulin pump that I have to wear and still be considered for a character in any project whatsoever. That's well, the hardest part for me. What does it have to do with you being a character? That's, that's exactly what I say. But some productions have said, I remember one production, they told me, well, if people see the insulin pump, then we have to talk about it and we have to address it. And then it takes away from the film because now the film is about diabetes and it's not about the storyline that we had. No, it's not about diabetes. I, it's about a person who's diabetic. Who's playing and who's Yep. Playing this role. Yep. Oh, and okay. That, I'm an assassin. I'm an assassin with diabetes, but I still kick ass. Like, they, what? Yeah, and that's okay. that's kind of how I felt. I had another project tell me um, that 
because I wear an insulin pump, the character was like very similar to Sharon Stone from Basic Instinct. So it was a very sexually charged character. Mm -hmm. So I was geeked. I was like, (laughs) yes, I want to do that. Yes, give it to me. And they actually told me because I wore an insulin pump, they did not see how I could portray the sexuality that was needed to deliver that character. So I was passed over for the role. Oh, right. Is yep. there like how do you how do you handle that part? That's what I want to know. Like how do what does that conversation sound like? Are you um, To me, it's it's infuriating. It's it's really infuriating. Like I know like as, you know, people of color, like we deal with this all the time, but not only am I dealing with it as a person of color, I'm dealing with it with a disease that I did not say I want to have, you know, and I'm battling it every day. So to me, to tell me after everything I've fought through to get here and still be here and be breathing every day, now you're going to tell me, oh yeah, that insulin pump, mm -mm, nah, we can't hire you because of it. For real. Uh, but, you know, someone wears glasses in the film and you, you cast them. Someone's in a wheelchair in the film and you cast them. But I, I just got an insulin pump, but you, you can't cast me. Serious? It's it's infuriating. <sighs> but I I try my best to prove them wrong. So I'm like, okay, so you don't think I can do that. That's okay. So um, I went and I found photographers and I was working with them. I worked with uh, Aubrey. Uh, Roadheim uh, photography. I worked with Deviant Desires photography. And I said, I want this to be a sexually inspired photo shoot, but mm. my insulin pump has to be seen. I want it to be seen. I want it to be recognized. I want it to be just as sexy as everything else is going to be in this photo. You're going to prove to them what they said was completely wrong. And I, I look at it as a new challenge that I have to overcome. So I'm going to prove y'all wrong, and I'm going to show y'all what sexy is, regardless of having to wear an insulin pump or not. So. Have you had any, like, um, casting assistants or just productions in general who turned you down or didn't offer you the role because of your insulin pump, but they, like, call you afterwards after they've seen you do something else? I've had, I've had a, like, a few but it happened because, like, what the person they wanted to do the role or whatever didn't couldn't do, act. Okay, yeah, they they didn't deliver. <laughs> we can tell the truth. I ain't say couldn't act. I, just I said, said they, it. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't deliver the way they had hoped, and then <laughs> they not. came to me and said if I would still be interested. But by that point, I'm like, no. No, you suffer through your terrible, terrible film. Yep, that's your project. Terrible, now, terrible now, actor. Yep, now you got to deal with it. You you made your choice when you turned me down. That's I'm not trying to be vengeful, but you made your choice. You have to walk that line. That's that was your decision. That's what you get in your yep. one-star rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> that would make me so mad. Like it Because it doesn't make sense. You can't tell me... If I'm portraying a real life character, real life is different. Every everybody's right. life looks different. It doesn't look the same. So you can't tell me, oh, you can't have uh, diabetes because it just doesn't go with the character. So you mean I can't portray a real life person? Yeah. Oh. I remember when, um, like when Pieces of David, we had a small screening, and. Of course, the actors had to be there, so we were there. 
And I remember on the screen, like uh, Lawrence, like I give Lawrence mad credit for it. He picked the skin that he wanted decorating my insulin pump and everything. He told me he wanted my pump on my arm. He said he was going to have me in a sleeveless shirt so the pump could be seen. But the character was not diabetic. The actress portraying the character mm-hmm. was diabetic, but the character was not. So the film was not about a type 1 diabetic doing all the crazy stuff that she was <laughs> doing. But you saw the insulin Killing pump people. in the film. And I remember when we were at the screening and one of my co-stars, uh, T.C. Rose, she had a friend there. And the friend was like, what, what is that on her arm? Why, why is that on her arm and everything? And T.C. Rose said, oh, she's a type 1 diabetic, so that's her insulin pump. And that was the la- they was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. And that was the last thing that was ever said about it. And to me, that meant so much because it's like, it starts with that, you know. If it's seen, it's not going to take away from the movie, from the storyline. It's not going to do that. And the fact that, you know, my fellow co-stars was the ones like, oh, yeah, that's just her insulin pump, girl. Come on now, let's watch this movie. You right. know, like, it wasn't a big deal. And they were just like, oh, okay. And, like, that, I think, I don't even remember anything else that happened at that screening that night because that was the only thing I remember. And I was like, oh, Oh my God, like that made me feel so much better because, you know, from working with them and from Lawrence making sure it was seen and it wasn't, this is an insulin pump, look at this, you know, right. like, but it was, you know, and that was like the biggest thing I got from that film. That made me feel so good, you know, because you saw it, but it didn't change from the character that I was portraying in the film. It didn't take away from my ability to deliver that character the way it needed to be delivered. And that was the biggest thing that I had been trying to tell productions that were turning me down. It's not going to take away from it, you know, unless I can't act. Then, yeah. It'll, then it'll, that's it'll, a different story. Right, that's a totally <laughs> different story. But that was that was the biggest thing that I encountered from working on, like, Pieces of David. That just made me feel amazing, like, you know, so... So again, shout out to Lawrence Lee Wallace for being <laughs> an amazing director, person, man, person. <laughs> shout out to you, Lawrence, and casting uh, assistants or directors in productions. Do you see how it makes sense that Insulin Pump doesn't take away from a character? Like, just just make it make sense. Yeah. And just That's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. Just make it make sense. Like, uh, I won... Uh, what the what the uh, uh, Black Excellence Award accolades? Yep, for my role in Pieces of David. More accolades. So again, that just that tells you, insulin pump or not, like it's not going to take away from the film. It's not going to take away from you being able to deliver and tell a story. It won't. So and Pieces of David was actually nominated. It was nominated for Best Director, Best Film, and Best Actress. So. You had an actor with an insulin pump on, and it still didn't take away from the storyline. Hello. So. (laughs) These people. Um, Oh, I do want to ask you this before I forget. Um, Because speaking of, of like, adversities and people in general just not understanding, like, your type 1 diabetes and then trying to manage acting and, and not getting roles or, or certain things. Was there ever a point where you where you were just like, well, this isn't going to work out. Let me just go do something else. No, no. 
Because when, like, I was diagnosed at 17. Mm-hmm. No one else in my family has type 1 diabetes. And I remember growing up, like, well, not, but, you know, going into adulthood and things like that. And I didn't see anyone that was going through or went through everything that I went through living with this disease. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I know they exist. I know they got to be out there. I know there are several type ones from lawyers, doctors, actors, actresses. Like, they got to be out there. Where are they? Why do I not see them? And I was just like, well, you know what? Fine. If y'all going to hide, I'm going to make sure I'm not. And I was like, I refuse. I refuse to hide. I refuse to hinder, pretend I don't have this disease, try and be normal, whatever that means. (laughs) But I'm not going to do that. And for me, it was just like, I can't. Because if I result to hiding and camouflaging and pretending to blend in and be normal, then I'm just adding to what I did not see when I was going through all the problems and the complications that I was going through with this disease. I'm adding to that. I'm adding to the ignorance that exists around this disease because I refuse to put it out there and I refuse to talk about it. So it was an issue of, no, I can't do that. I Mm. can't quit because if I quit, it's going to continue. And I refuse to let that be what's going to be defined as to what it is to be a type 1 diabetic. So I couldn't. I no, it's it wasn't an option for me. It's a little <laughs> inspiration for the people listening. I can't quit. I just couldn't. It's gonna be my next mantra. <laughs> can't quit because I just couldn't. Um, I do also want to ask because um, just again speaking about like well going back to all of the different things that you do, is there a job or a career or something that you would like to do that you? have never tried or you kind of have like a little interest in it honestly I mean I I love acting but if I could seriously just make a living going and speaking and educating about being a type one and not letting it hinder you or stop you I would I would totally do that 24 7 well, there you go. Now she's a public speaker. So everybody, <laughs> please reach out to Anita Nicole Brown if you need her to speak at any events concerning type 1 diabetes. You said you, now you're going to be a public speaker. I mean, because like it, it, we're not out there. And that's why they need more public speakers directly, specifically talking about type 1 diabetes. And that's true because I don't really hear a nope. lot of stuff, especially in entertainment. Nope. about it i Mm-mm. really don't you don't We're so i'm like existent. i'm just aware because of family members and i have some friends my age who were also diagnosed as type 1 diabetics yep and outside of that no is yeah you don't see a type 1 diabetes commercial you don't there's nothing you'll see type 2 all day every day mm-hmm. but you'll that's never true. see type that's you'll so never true. see type 1 and that's that's another problem it, it frustrates me to no end. Like, like worldwide, it's about 400 million people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. About 10% of them have type 1. So we're a minority within this disease. Yeah, I just <laughs> learned something new. <laughs> Which really sucks. I tell people all the Jeez. time, I'm like, man, stop complaining. I'm a triple minority over here. Don't shut up. Like... <laughs> Like, I don't want to hear it. So, yeah. I learned something new. Okay. <laughs> that is. That's crazy. You are yep. a minority within your own disease. With which, with, even within the disease, we are still a minority. Yeah, that is. 
Oh, right. And so we don't get seen. We don't get heard. We don't get recognized. And I'm like, nah, like, but I still say it's on us. Mm -hmm. Because if we spend so much time trying to look like we're normal and we're like everyone else, we're adding to the ignorance that exists about this disease. When we stop trying to hide it and pretend we don't have it and we don't have to do this and this and this, and when we start speaking out about it, when we start educating people about it and things like that, maybe we can stop it. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe the ignorance that exists about this disease would go away because we're now putting it out there. We're letting the world see us for the goods and the bads that exist, you know. So I can't really blame the world for not knowing about this disease because I don't see us out there Mm -hmm. telling them about this disease, telling them, hey, this is what I go through. So the minute we start doing that, it's gonna. It, it'll level the playing field a little bit more, you know. But we got to do it. If we don't do it, we can't complain about what's existing and what's being perceived about this disease as it is now. We can't complain. Okay. Well. <laughs> well. Um. I do. I want to ask you one last question. Um. If you could choose like two newer that's not the word i'm looking for but two newer like inspirations in the entertainment industry who would they be one of my inspirations is uh queen latifah shout out to queen latifah i love queen latifah she does everything i do i love her only because i went through i'm not gonna say similar but i guess kind of similar everyone knows like she lost her brother while she was on the set of living single Mm mm-hmm and I lost my twin brother when I was on the set of Midget Zombie Takeover. And it was hard. And I didn't know how to keep going. And I remembered she went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I saw everything she went through. And she was still out there. She was still going after her dream. She was still pursuing her dream. So she showed me that regardless, you know, a loss and things like that, you still have a purpose and you have to live up to your purpose regardless. And she inspired me to not give up, you know. It was hard, you know, but she was my inspiration. She was the person I looked to and that I saw still going and still being her and still being the amazing person that she is in spite of losing someone so close and so important to her. And that's who told me that I could still do this no matter what. So Queen Latifah is a huge inspiration to me. She doesn't know it, but she is. She's going to know now. Yeah. (laughs) Queen Latifah listens to our podcast. (laughs) She was my inspiration when I was going through that. And yeah, that is, yeah, she's number one for me, so... Well, <coughs> clear my throat before I start crying. Jesus I know. I'm sorry. Christ. Okay. And who's who would be your second one? Um, she's not in the entertainment world, uh, but it is my auntie. Aunties are so underappreciated. Yeah, my auntie Sashi. And again, um, I lost my mom, and who is my auntie's twin sister. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I lost my mom in 2011, and then I lost my twin brother in 2012. So when I was going through losing my twin brother, the only person that I knew that had just gone through this 
was my aunt because she lost her twin sister just the year before. And my auntie has, she became like my my mommy, you know. Mm-hmm. She She's always been there in my life no matter what. But she stepped up, you know. My mom, if I had something I had to write, an article or anything, I always call my mom, mommy, can you listen to this and everything and stuff like that. And like mm-hmm. my auntie just stepped right into that role. You know, she became my other mom, you know, if I needed help trying to raise money and things like that, she'd call her friends and hound her friends and make <laughs> them do everything, you know, everything that my mom had done, my auntie stepped up and did when my mom was no longer here. So my auntie for like just being there and, you know, showing me that she made it, you know, even when she lost her sister, you know, she was still going to be there for us. She wasn't going to let us go without and things like that. And so when I lost my twin brother, my auntie, you know, was that person that I went to, the shoulder I cried on, the person who even in this world of entertainment and things like that, she was like, no, you got this. Let's see what we can do to make sure, you know. So my auntie is my other inspiration for what I went through. (laughs) All right, well, shout out to aunties. Um, So, shout out myself because I'm an auntie. And I think I'm the greatest auntie to walk this face of the earth. (laughs) Aunties are. We we are (laughs) underappreciated. Okay, you guys, we have to bring this back on a lighter note before I go in the corner and have a breakdown. I know. Um, But what I want to do, well, Okay, so here's the part where you do have to tell us something about yourself. I hope you've been thinking about this question. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can use this, what you just said, because I didn't know you had a twin brother. You can tell yeah. us something about yourself that people don't know. But the people who know you know that you had a twin brother. Yeah. Okay, well, then you can't use that. So now you got to tell us something about you that people don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Well, the people that are close to me already know it. No, that doesn't count. But the rest of the world does not. Okay. Uh, Okay. That's fine. What is it? What is it? I have an open marriage. Good Lord. Okay. (laughs) That's not... That's not what I... All right. We're just going to take a second. Uh, Just going to take a second. I didn't know what the hell you were going to (laughs) say. Oh, um, well, that's something. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to segue into this next thing because I think this is actually going to be great. And since you have an open marriage, I'm just going to ask you to do a thing for me. I'm just going to ask you to stick your hand in my box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. I'm putting a hand in the box. Okay, this I mean, be you're fun. in an open marriage. Okay, so listen. <laughs> We're going to switch it up this go round, right? And instead of questions, we have situations. So we're going to do um, uh, what would you do? So you can read the situation on the paper and just tell us what would you do. <laughs> oh, wait. Is, okay. okay. What is it? So it says, I just got married, but my partner doesn't know I'm 250 grand in debt. Woo. Yeah, that's just messed up. That's wrong. What? Well, what would you do, though? You just got married, <sighs> and your husband didn't know. Because I'm asking everybody this. For me, mm-hmm. um, I would make sure there was no merger of any of our assets or anything until I got my <laughs> stuff situated. 
Oh, well, see, I didn't think about that. Jesus Christ. Okay. I would. And well, you if, were in finances. Okay. Yeah. So if he was like, if he was like, hey, let's get the joint bank account and crap, like, no, 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 hold on, baby. Let's, um, let me get my stuff situated first. And then once I get my stuff cleared, then we can merge our stuff and bring it together. But until then, because Lord forbid something happened to me, he would be responsible. Right. And that's the last thing I would want to do to somebody. So I would not merge any of our assets, any of our accounts or anything until I got my stuff cleared up. And then I would merge them. You are much nicer than us. <laughs> <laughs> much nicer than me. This is not what I said. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's not what I would do. But okay. <laughs> Just want to tell his ass. You don't need to know anything. Okay. <laughs> I'm working on being better. I swear I am. <laughs> but it's going to take like some additional years. Okay. So I need a, one more, one more situation because we have learned a lot already. <laughs> we have learned a lot. You planned this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I don't know what you picked. I just put them in the box. Uh huh. <laughs> My boyfriend. Slash girlfriend does porn to support our lifestyle. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, so we're gonna actually end the show right here. And I just wanna thank y'all for tuning in because I don't know what you're about to say. Oh and my it's God. making me nervous. <laughs> Can we just pick another one? Just, you just want me to pick another one? No. <laughs> Go answer. Okay, me, so. What would you do? Oh, God. You know what? I actually would not have a problem with it. Okay. And it's probably because I have friends that are actually in the porn industry. And as much as people think it's, oh, my God, all they do is have sex. Oh, no. It's it's a lot of work. Just, like, all that stuff we be watching on TV and we be like, ooh, this is good. I'm loving this. Uh Uh-uh. It takes so much to do that. It's not as glorified as you would think it is. So... If my boyfriend was a porn star or whatever, I would try my best to make sure, well, when they got home with me, it wasn't work. Okay, first off. Like, <laughs> we, we ain't going to make this feel out. like work. Oh, but right. I would try and be what they need because that job is not pleasant. It is not pretty and it is not fun. And then you have the people judging them for that particular lifestyle and that course. So I would try my best to make sure that when they got home, they got home and they were home and they were safe. So that's me. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to close my box. <laughs> Thank you. You've stuck your hand in it enough. All righty. Well, again, you're much nicer than I am because that's not what I would do. Um, okay, you guys, we're going to move on because I am still trying to process things from 10 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. Um, Anita, so all the guests have to do this. You have to give us your mantra. And you have to take uh, us on a journey with you. You have to do it just like I did it. Okay, my mantra. Yep. Mm. Think of something. What is something that you want all people to know? You know what? My mantra actually every day oh. is literally a positive attitude equals a positive outcome. That's so nice. Like, it literally is. Um, I I do everything possible to try and see the positive of something. No matter how dark and ugly it could be, 
I know there's a reason it's there. And if I put that positivity out there, that's all that I'm going to bring back to me. So I do my best to try and be positive. I ain't saying I'm always successful at it. I mean, listen, but, this is real life. <laughs> <clears throat> but I do my best to try and stay as positive as possible no matter what. Even in, like, with being diagnosed with type 1. Um, I considered it, a, I now consider it a blessing. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't think I would be as aware of my body and when my body's talking to me, when my body's telling me things and things like that. I don't think I would have been as aware of it had I not been diagnosed with this disease. You know, I wouldn't be able to know when I need to sit my ass down and relax, when I need right. to, you know what I mean? Because of this disease. Like, th- my, our bodies talk to us daily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times uh, yes. we don't listen at all. And because mm-hmm. of this disease, I have no choice but to listen. Because when I don't listen, oh, she knocks me out. Mm-hmm. She'll be like, what I tell you? <laughs> like, <laughs> so she don't, when I don't listen, she will make me listen. Right. And so I try, like, I try my best to find that positive in everything that I do, no matter how ugly it is or whatever, I know there's a reason it's happening. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to bring it out and I'm going to bring out the beauty in it and the positivity in it. So that way that negativity doesn't stay. Okay. Well, that was <laughs> really positive. Um, okay. I just wanted you to say something negative, but I guess that's not going to happen. <laughs> Because I am a negative Nancy. Um, okay, guys. So uh, moving on to our cocktail or choice of drink. Um, thanks to you, Eric. I'm having a Lagunitas. This is a different one. First off, Lagunitas has like 50 different kinds of beer, which they do. baffles me every time. So this is called Daytime. And it has a nail in it. And I, I can see why it has a nail in it because it's <laughs> I was about to say because it's nailing me <laughs> guys she only had one <laughs> oh god because <laughs> <laughs> it's nailing me I crack myself up <laughs> okay well done with that Anita you want to tell us what you had to drink oh my god yes oh uh, let the world know so because I'm just having beer my dad um is a fan of Pete's uh, Pete's Pizzas. It's on Western. Yes. They're Long Island iced teas. The premium ones. No. Uh-huh. I had two of those. I got up from my seat to come here, and the room started spinning. Yeah. I was like, oh, this might not be good going on a podcast, talking to people when I got this. No, this is the greatest way to, to be on the podcast. Had two of those. Mm-mm. No, I'm gonna go home and I, I'm trying to eat some more food to absorb all the alcohol that's in me, and, and, and you know maybe go to sleep and crash or something. I don't know, <laughs> but that's probably what's gonna happen. Okay, before you go to sleep and crash, <laughs> can you please tell all the great people listening um, where they can find you on social media and um, how they can see some of your movies? Uh, social media. So I am on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. I think that's it. And then, you know, IMDb and all that. Instagram, it's Anita 
underscore Nicole underscore Brown. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Anita Nicole Brown. And mm-hmm. Twitter, it's Anita N. Brown. I, don't, I might change that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but whatever. Um, and films. I know Pieces of David uh, is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I know Little Things is on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I want to say Unconditionally, which is like, a, I think it's an eight episode series. Mm-hmm. That's also on Amazon. Oh, right. Racking it up on Amazon. Right. Okay. Um, and I have a feeling I might be forgetting something. I hope to God I'm not. I know um, Crisis Function, the type one film, is the first episode is on YouTube. Okay. So you can see that on YouTube. Oh, Life Defined. It's another series um, that is also on YouTube. Transit, it was an action film that I was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is also on YouTube, Time Code Mechanics uh, YouTube page. You see when you do so much stuff and it's just like, I don't even know. Just go, listen, just go search Anita Nicole Brown. But th- th- you might have better results doing that. Just search, search her <laughs> name because when you can list project after project and it's like you know what i don't even remember it's on one of the things it's yeah. on something i know it's out there exactly and like literally one the only reason the why i know about the amazon is because i actually i swear no lie i did a google search of anita nicole brown films and that's how i knew what was, what on, was what. on there <laughs> you google yourself <laughs> and you have things that's when you know you made right it. that's that's the only way i know what what's on what right now because outside you of that made i have it no idea because you have things <laughs> all right um anita thank you so much for being on the show i truly appreciate it thank you for having me you're welcome we're gonna we're gonna come back and talk about that thing and the thing <laughs> <laughs> talk about the thing and the thing um you guys thanks for listening thanks for tuning in um and remember wherever you hear me now you can hear me later catch us next time on meditations conversations and libations Bye. <laughs>